Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore and the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm Ann Stickney, one of three lore, well, you know, lore aficionados over there on Blizzard Watch because goodness knows um, we do other stuff too, but we're all about the lore. Anyway, I've got both my wonderful co-hosts with me today. And first up, he's obsessed with warriors, yes, admittedly, but he's also obsessed with lore and that would be Matt Rossi. Hey, Rossi. Warriors and big swords. Stuff like that, yeah. It's, but also the Ashkandi, lore behind warriors you know. and big swords, yeah. 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 Also with us is a shaman enthusiast, but also, again, um, he's really down with lore, and that would be Joe Perez. Hey, Joe. Well, hello. Yes, I am super down with shaman and super down with lore. You sound about as well as I do. <laughs> yeah, this it way. is a, It is an interesting allergy season. I'm going to I'm going to point out the um well a couple of elephants in the room. Number one, Joe and I don't sound so hot. I'm dealing with seasonal allergies. I don't know about Joe, I'm assuming same thing. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Anyway, uh the ragweed is real, folks. So if we don't sound one hundred percent, um, trust us, our brains are working just fine. They're just full of snot, probably. Um Meanwhile, my dog and I defeated coyotes this week. Hey, cool. <laughs> I'm not kidding. They what were a brave. Us. What a brave little dog. He is. <laughs> anyway, um, beyond that, the other elephant in the room that I want to address. Hey, guys. So uh, last week we came out with a new Patreon goal where uh, if we hit a certain amount per month, we would get you guys a weekly lore watch. And that was kind of what we, we'd been talking about it. I mean, I know we'd been talking about it on the regular show. And we've been talking about it on this show for a couple months now, month or two. Something like that. Anyway, um, so we arrived at a point where we could do weekly lore watches if we hit like a certain Patreon goal per month. You guys smashed that goal in like 24 hours. So guess what? You're getting your weekly lore watches. Um, It is not going to start immediately. What's going to happen is we are recording this show right now on this Sunday, which is, what is it today? It's like the 15th or something. Yeah, 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 it's 15th. This show is going to release to Patreon today. It is going to release to the website on the 23rd. The following Sunday, the 29th, we will be recording a show. It will be releasing to Patreon on the 29th. It will be releasing on the website the following Wednesday. So you're not going to have to wait like a full week for the show anymore. You're going to have to wait until, uh, what is it, like October 2nd or something like that. It's the same week. It's just like a few days later. Um, and every week following that, it's going to be the same schedule. Patreons will get the early podcast on Sundays, and then the show itself will release weekly on the website on Wednesdays. So, um, hey, guys, um, beyond above and beyond all of that, thank you. Like, this is something we had been talking about for a while, and I, I don't know about you guys, but I really like getting together and babbling lore with you every couple of weeks and I'm going to enjoy it even further getting to like pick your brains and that kind of thing on a weekly basis. I'm really happy I'm going to get to get out of the box more often. Yeah. There are yeah. there are two really big highlights to my week. One is talking with both of you because I love you guys and going down the rabbit hole is always fun when you got like-minded people. But also I really love the weird tweets that we get after the show goes live. Yes. Because every one of our listeners out there, every one of you guys your theories are just as out there as us, and I love it. Needless to say, with a weekly show, 
we will probably be branching out a little bit more into other areas as well as, you know, we talk a lot of World of Warcraft and that's mostly what we've been focused on, but we do like focusing on other games and other franchises. So if you do have lore related questions for, you know, Diablo, for even for Heroes of the Storm, there's not a lot there, but we can talk about it for Overwatch, that kind of thing. Please feel free to send those in. And of course, any of the World of Warcraft questions as well. And you can send those into podcasts at blizzardwatch.com. Just be sure that you put lore watch in the subject line so that we know that it's intended for the show. Uh, the questions kind of keep us going when there's nothing really huge or lore heavy being released at the time. So we do appreciate you guys sending those in. And if you don't feel like sending in an email, we do have um, Patreon only channels for Q and podcast questions. And we do have a Patreon channel for Q questions as well. Or excuse me, we have a Discord channel for Q, Q questions as well. You can just note that you want to submit a question for the Lore Watch podcast there. That's perfectly fine too. Okay. Hey guys, one thing before we go. Yeah. I just want to say this to everybody. If you want that Blackthorn lore explanation, I can do that for you. That would yes. be rad. I have played the game. Yes. I actually As do have understand I. what's happening. Okay, yeah. that's that's we, better we, than me. <laughs> I do understand what's going on. We all know what Kyle I, is up to, guys. <laughs> yes. Kyle Blackthorn Vlaros, I can explain him to you. So if if you're looking for that, feel free to ask. Rock and roll racing? We can talk about the lore of that game. It's Lost Vikings. A- we can go Lost yeah. Vikings. We can do this. We have Ian. It's totally possible. So, yes. you know, don't think that you have to limit yourself. There's not a lot of lore to rock and roll racing, so I wouldn't really suggest that one. But, hey, any of the other ones, like I said, you want to send a question in? Podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Put lore watch in the subject line. We'll tackle it. Why not? Speaking of emails and tackling those, uh, we had a bunch of leftovers ones from, like, the last couple of weeks. We have a backlog that we're working on, so I figured, ah, we'll continue to work on the backlog today, because why not? Um, Obviously, all of the news lately has been kind of surrounding classic and um, we've talked about classic lore before. I mean, all of the lore kind of ties together at this point. Again, um, if you guys have any questions about like storylines and stuff that popped up in classic, psh, you could go ahead and uh, send those our way too because we have a lot more understanding of what's going on with those than we did when they originally came out, obviously, because mm-hmm. you got, you know, 15 years worth of writing to back up stuff that happened back then. Um, so yeah, feel free to send those our way too. Uh, Our first email here, though, and I think we might tangent on this one a bit just because it's an interesting question. But this is from Duran Court, who's a paladin of the Silver Hand, who says, Hello, purveyors of fine blizzard lore. I hope all is well with the Watchers of the Storm. That's really cool. I like that title. I don't know about you guys, but I really like that title. Anyway, he says, So... Secret daughter, huh? Some pieces just fell into place for me. It's possible Blizzard used this old story beat and changed some names to link Talia to Bolvar. But we have another Fordring who we know next to nothing about. What if Lady Mara Mara Fordring is Bolvar's, or I guess Fordragon, yeah. Anyway, is Bolvar's sister. We know the first paladins were priests who were trained to fight. I have a feeling Blizzard went Game of Thrones on the Fordragons. Is it Fordragon or Fordring? It's Fordragon, yeah. It's Fordragon. It's using Fordring. Yeah, he's he's mixed them up. Yeah, Tyrion Fordring is the paladin guy. Bolvar is current Lich King. Talia is Bolvar's daughter. So yeah, Fordragon. Anyway, what if Lady Mara Fordragon is Bolvar's sister? We know the first paladins were priests who were trained to fight. I have a feeling Blizzard went Game of Thrones on the Fordragons and Bolvar claimed his sister's daughter, born of an illicit, illicit affair with Anduin Lothar... 
as his own. This actually super makes sense to me. What are your thoughts? Y'all are my favorite sources of WoW news. Thanks for all you do during court. Okay, I gotta, I gotta talk real yes. fast here. Yes, no, go for it, go for it. Mara Four Dragon is too old. Well, she, she theoretically could be his sister, but she was a full adult when, when he was a child. Um, and it's much more likely she's his mother. Uh, she was the high clerist. She wasn't a paladin, but she's in the paladin order hall because she was effectively a paladin. She was a high clerist who, when defending the people of Stormwind on their trek north, picked up a sword and started hitting things. She essentially, unlike the the paladins that that were part of the Order of the Silver Hand, who had to be instructed, she just straight up started doing it. Do you think she gave Alondis the idea? I'm relatively certain she might have. In fact, I here's the thing: as High Clarist of Stormwind, she and Fael would have known each other. Yeah, that's they why I'm wondering. Each other. Yeah, you know, they would have not only known each other; they would have had to work together because Fael was the you know, Archbishop out of the cathedral in her city. And it was Stormwind is her city. She's the High Clarist, which means that effectively she would have been the liaison between the, 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 the throne and the church. She would have been the one to go to him and say, okay, uh, effectively I'm the chaplain of, of the royal family, and they, they feel this way about whatever you're doing. And he would have been, well, I'm going to keep doing this and this and this. They would have definitely been connected. Um, and she would have been able to speak to him as an equal, because while he was archbishop, she's High Clarist. They have it's the division of function, so I think it's it's very the statue that we have in the in the uh, Paladin Order Hall, and I'm really glad I leveled my Paladin to, so I got to see the Paladin Order Hall. The mm-hmm. statue of her basically makes the point that she was the you know she was a hero of their trip north. We don't know what happened to her. We, we don't, don't know much actually. Yeah. We don't know if she made it. Like we don't know if she died on the way. If she gave her life defending people, certainly feels like they she might have. Because it's very much the case that she was revered enough to have multiple statues erected in her honor. But that's how basically all we know is that she was High Clarist, her name is Four Dragon, and she's gone after the First War. Like between the First and Second War, there, there's no sign of her that we know of. If she may, maybe some point will have a, a novel or a, st- a short story or a comic or something that deals with her, or maybe there'll be a quest. I don't know. But as of right now, what we know is. She was alive and running. She was in Stormwind. She was High Clarist at the time of the First War, which, if you think about it, she'd have to be at least 25 to 30 years old at the time that the First War starts in order to, to get that job. It took them several years for Stormwind to fall. And then it's another, it's like, you know, that would make Varian like nine or 10, and she'd be a full adult at the same time. And Bolvar is about Varian's age. So is it possible that they're siblings? It's possible. I don't think it's very likely. I think Bolvar is almost certainly is her first child. Is Bolvar Varian's age? Because I always pictured him as being a little bit older. I'm, let's they're say, roughly they're roughly the same. Roughly the same age. I mean, I'm, I you know they could be different like within like five years. But keep in mind, Varian's are like five years older than than Arthas. Um, if this is Bolvar true. is similarly, if Bolvar is like similarly five years older than Varian, it still means he'd be at most fifteen when Mara was thirty. Now again, that's possible. It's possible to have a sibling who's much older than you. I'm almost 20 years older than my brothers. Um, so it's possible. But it's just, it's it's more likely that Mara is a little bit older than that. Because we don't know how old she was. And it's more likely that she's his mother. Uh, the fact that the name is the same. The fact that she was an important figure in Stormwind. The fact that the Fordring family, the, see now I'm doing Fordring. The Fordragon family was so important in Stormwind. 
it adds up to me. I'm I lean towards her being his mother and not his sister, but we don't know. And so that's possible. Uh, the other thing I want to say is I love Anduin Lothar and I've wanted Anduin Lothar's secret daughter to show up forever. I have wanted this. I don't think Talia is it. Um, I think they, they are being upfront with Talia and Bolvar. Do, do, do you think, do you think Lothar has a secret daughter somewhere? I want them to just say that they, there is uh, and at present, there is nothing in the game to indicate that he does. Um, and in fact, if we use the Warcraft movie as a hint, as a guide, and they did bring the fact that that was uh, Anduin Lothar's sister as queen, they did bring mm-hmm. that in. So if we use it as a guide, he had a son and his son died. Um, that's not present in current lore. There's nothing about him having a son or a daughter or anybody. I would love it if out in some little cottage somewhere on, in the, like on the Red Ridge to Red Ridge to the mountains, someplace over there, there's like a, there's a woman currently training like mad with a two-handed weapon. That would be great. I would love it. I think they should totally bring her in, but she's a hermit. And when you go first to visit her, she wants like maggots for breakfast. (laughs) Could you bring me some? uh, No, never mind. There's none around here, but no, seriously, I don't, I don't believe there's any evidence in game currently for it. There's nothing stopping them from deciding to put her in. Keep in mind, she'd be like, Lothar died um, at the end of the Second War, and he was pretty old. He was fifty something by the first time, the first war, right? He was, yeah. I think he was in his like late forties, early fifties. Again, this is not something that they ever like bothered to really say. They just showed pictures of him being real old with gray hair and a beard. Um, But even assuming that, you know, let's assume that he found like a a moment of, you know, some time to have a kid late in life, and that kid was born at the end of the Second War the kid would be like pretty old by now. Not, not, not a young person anymore. Not, not ancient because Jaina is older than that. He'd be a little, the child would be a little younger than Jaina. Um, cause Jaina was like four or five during the second war. And Jaina's like, wow, 40 now. It's kind of, she's up there. I, so the, the person would certainly still be fit. Whoever like Lothar's secret child was, if they decided to put it in, I would go for a daughter. Cause I would love there to be some two hand sword swinging, you know, female warrior named Lothar out there kicking butt. I think that would be great. Uh, for one thing, it would be great because it would be completely flustering for Anduin Wren. Like she just walk into the throne room and be like, hi, I'm here to save your kingdom. <laughs> just be really great. But I don't think they're going to do that with Talia. Uh, I think Talia is Bolvar's daughter. I, um, the-, the other thing that I kind of wanted to mention here, because we kind of glossed over it, but people tend to forget about this is that the, Okay, the orcs first came through the Dark Portal and the onset of the First War began in year zero. That's when the timeline resets. The First War and the fall of Stormwind, that took five years. And then the Second War, that was like year six. But like Thrall didn't come to power and he didn't create the new new Horde until I think it was year 18. So there's quite... A, there's a much longer time span here with these first three wars than there has been for everything that's gone on in World of Warcraft. Mm-hmm. And people kind of tend to forget that when they're looking at stuff like this. So, like, Mara being a full-fledged adult by the time the first war began, by the time, you know, the second war started, that's like another six years on top of that. Yeah, it's just, I don't think the timelines match up, really. Yeah, it, there is like room for them to be siblings. There absolutely is. Just Mara would be a lot older. 
Mara would be like the, the, and Talia the first would child. be a lot older. Yeah, Talia would. If Talia were a child of Mara Fordragon who vanishes before the Second War, then she'd have to be almost thirty. Uh, you know, it's just she'd be at least twenty-four at the minimum, I and mean, she wouldn't be depicted like she's depicted as pretty young. Like she supposedly was like a, a young child during the Third War. She's like so, Anduin's age, really. Yeah, and he's like not even twenty yet. So no, he's like eighteen, nineteen. Yeah. So there's. There certainly it could theoretically be possible, but it would basically mean that Talia is a lot older than she's been presented as. Uh, it would mean that Bolvar he wouldn't really have a reason to hide her this way. He hid her because she was his daughter and the daughter of a child of Lordaeron. If if Mara Fordragon and Anduin Lothar had a child, the chances of that child being raised in Lordaeron are relatively slim. Because I got to tell you, if Anduin Lothar had a child. Varian Rin would have been interested in that child. Mm-hmm. This is like effectively that child would be kind of a, it would be a cousin for one thing because Anduin Rin's, I mean, Varian Rin's mother is Anduin Lothar's sister. That's, Has that's that your cousin. Has that been established in in-game canon? Because I know that that's in movie Chronicle. universe. It is in, Chronicle. in Chronicle. Okay, all yeah. right. They've just established that that's her name and that that's she's That's right, because when Lothar. that came out, we were really thrilled about that. Okay, yeah, yes. Yeah, so that's his cousin. If if she exists, Talia Fordragon, you know, T- Talia Fordragon is not his cousin. But if Talia Fordragon was the child of Lothar, now she's a cousin. Now she's in the line of succession. I mean, not directly because she's not of the the Rin dynasty, but she's the Lothar, and that not the, the Lothar bloodline. It comes goes back to the very first kings of humanity. Period. You got to start. You got. You can't not consider that a candidate for king or queen of any country that's currently got humans in it. Like, you know, if it's, if it's a human nation that they have claim rank wise, they're way yeah. up there. So th- I don't think you'd just stick her off on cult Not that there's anything wrong with cult It's just, it's kind of isolated for you to let your cousin go there without saying anything or doing anything or keeping track of them in any way. It doesn't strike me as Varian, Varian didn't just have a family connection. He owed Lothar personally a lot. Lothar showed him how to fight. Lothar saved him from Stormwind. Lothar carried him to safety, physically carried him. You know, picked him up and physically carried him out of the burning city, got him on a boat. When, Andrew, when, when Varian was having his flashbacks after he'd been separated by Onyxia and didn't know who he was, uh, it was Lothar he saw in his head, you know, talking to him on the boat. Uh, th- there's no way... I don't think there's any way you could conceal Anduin Lothar having a child with Mara Fordragon. Lo- Lothar wasn't just an uncle. Lothar was like second dad at that point. Yeah. And and more importantly, these are two of the most important people in Stormwind. Like, you know, Anduin Lothar and Mara Fordragon, that's like the high clarist of the, of the city and the, the arms master of the Brotherhood of the Horse get together and have a secret child and nobody knows about it but Bolvar. Not only that, but I mean, that, that child would also be potentially, like, if that was the case, potentially incredibly powerful and have a strong motivation to be involved in this conflict or what the conflicts have been going on. So, yeah. like, I don't think that if that was the case, one, that they could keep her out of the main conflict in any capacity. Um, and two, like, we've seen, it's going to sound goofy, and I know it's not exactly explicit, but I always expect... Children of Bearers of the Light at such a, a high level 
sort of have a natural affinity for it, and we've seen no inclination. Of it. Well, and I mean, so. above and beyond all of that, if the two of them had a child, what would be the motivation for hiding that child? Why? Yeah, yeah especially I, back then. Yeah, Lothar would almost certainly not like. I could see him saying, you know, I don't really have time to help raise the child because I'm trying to stop our people from being destroyed. But why wouldn't he want that child acknowledged? Like he have no reason not to like, you know, why would he, he wouldn't take away the child's parental right. Particularly if the, if that kid had that kind of a lineage, there's no reason to hide that kind of a lineage at all. So yeah, why why prevent her from from being able to say yes, I am the cousin to the King of Stormwind? Why prevent her from being saying yes? More importantly, he'd be cheating her out of being the the you know the Lothar bloodline had the ability to claim you know a favor from the the, the elves. Up until he used that favor, he would be cheating that child out of it. You know, he didn't know that he was going to use it until he had to, and so up until that point. That he'd basically be saying, you know, when you, when you grow up, you won't know this, and therefore you won't be able to use it. It's not the kind of thing. And that he, he kind would of do. flat out told the elves, he was like, "I'm the last of the bloodline." Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, that's one of the things that bothers me about my theory because, you know, if if he did have a secret daughter, then that would be a lie. Uh, it's possible he might have one he doesn't know about. But he, as you said, he straight up said, "I'm the last one, and I'm claiming it. You know, you you owe me." And I'm calling it now. So, yeah, so, I, I, I don't. But I, I, I again, none of this disproves your idea because it's not really possible to disprove it because we know so little about Mara. And that's a real shame. I'd love to see more about her. I'd love to know her relation to, to Bolvar, other than obviously they are related because two four dragons in four dragon is not Smith. It is, yeah. it is not like, yeah. the, you know, oh, hey, I'm, I'm also John Smith. <laughs> what are the odds? I'm John Smith, too. It's not like, oh, four dragon. Yeah, this Stormwind's lousy with four dragons, hundreds of us. And, uh, it's just a name. It, it all means we're all four dragons. We just really like them. It's just a I, thing. I, I think the thing that this kind of sparked in me, though, was this expansion in particular, we have the whole thing where Talia is Bolvar's daughter, right? Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. don't know who her mom is. That's like, we, we just don't know. Apparently, she might have some kind of tie to Kul Tiris. Maybe that's where the favor came into play. Or maybe Bolvar was just real good friends with Admiral, you know, with the Lord Admiral. But regardless, they took her in and they found the best person in the world to take care of her because they felt obligated for some reason. So there was some kind of connection there. But that's not the only, like... That's not the only one, because we've also got Kalia Menethil. And Kalia got married to somebody we don't know, had a child we don't know, and we don't know if they're alive or dead or not. But all of this all kind of came into play with Battle for Azeroth and just before Battle for Azeroth. And I'm wondering, like... Okay, they have kind of said that it was just a random footman of Lordaeron. Yeah. But... Now that you've said this, I yeah. want them very much to go back on it and have it be Kalia, because then at some point, undead Kalia Menethil might go up there to see undead Bolvar Fordragon and be like, you're alive. And it would be like, no, I'm not. We're not alive. Neither of us are. What the heck are you? I thought you were dead. Well, I guess you are. <laughs> wow, this is being such an awkward family reunion. No, I mean, now the, I, thing now is, is like, the thing is, is like, that theory has come up before that that Kalia's secret husband was actually Bolvar Fordragon. And I know we talked about it before and we were like, well, 
why would they why would they say oh we can't talk about her being married to Bolvar for Dragon when he's that kind of a character and he's got that kind of rank and that kind you know why wouldn't they mention it you know why wouldn't they talk it why would they brush that under the rug why wouldn't King Terranus be absolutely okay with the idea of his daughter marrying Bolvar for Dragon you know you know, one so, thing that comes to mind, I, one thing does come to mind to me. Do you want, like, do you want to talk some more? Do you yeah, more go for it. Go for it. I mean, we can tangent if, forever. Go for it. If he was still under um, Deathwing's control at the time, Terranus? Yeah, because remember that he was trying to force her to marry Deathwing. Yes. And if that was still going, because that was for like months, if Bolvar met her at that point, he would have been a young. Some you know you're a young guy and a young knight from a kingdom that had just been destroyed and was still being rebuilt, with no real station yet. He hadn't proved himself. Uh, his if his mother was Mara Fordragon, then yes, she's she was extremely high placed, but she didn't leave. You know her all of her estates might have been destroyed. So to Taranis, you know I've got this perfect candidate for her to marry. It's this this lovely fellow uh, over here. Uh, you know, Deval Prester, the guy seems great, but she's defying me to try to marry this young st- Stormwind Knight who's nothing. You know, who is he? He's nothing right now. He's from a kingdom that's just, it's not worth my time. You know, I've had it's to It's not stoop- even a kingdom at this point. It's yeah, an orb-infested stoop- ruin, really. I've had to stoop to get it rebuilt, even. I've had to extend myself to, to get it rebuilt. And now they're going to take my daughter? When I've got this wonderful guy who's going to, like, you know she's going to be the queen of the of a rebuilt kingdom yeah and of course he's not thinking clearly because a dragon is mind controlling him but that that could be the reason that nobody wanted to talk about it and he doesn't want to reject the guy outright because he doesn't necessarily want to antagonize varian you know it's it's complicated you can't just forbid it you can't just dismiss the the the, the other person but at the same time, everybody's gung-ho for Deval Prester, because, again, dragon mind control. Deathwing, really, he had time to really screw up people's lives, didn't he? He, he wasn't just the big stuff. Deathwing, he, he finally crafted there, just mess with everything about people's lives. You kind of almost have to admire his sheer... It was like humanity as a whole was just, you know, an interesting game to him. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it would be at that point too, though, because humanity was so small at that point and new in 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 the context of Deathwing's lifespan. They've been around for yeah, what, like a blink exist. of an eye or two, you know. Yeah, humanity didn't even actually exist when the the Sundering happened, did it? Like it no. was still very cool refugees. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's a that's a good point. So yeah, I, I just yeah, no, this would be fun. I almost wish they would do it. Joe, you got anything to add to this whole pile of stuff? I mean, not that's really contributing to the theory. Uh, One thing, though, that I do, this is a total non sequitur. One thing that I've always loved, and I think Rossi and possibly Yuan will will, will understand this. I always loved the title High Clarist uh, because it reminds me of Dragonlance. Because in Dragonlance, they were just really, really super awesome knights that learn how to wield holy power and i kind of want to see more about uh lady mara because i want to see how close to that she is i'd I'd love to see more of her i'd love there to be like a story or a novel or something or or give us or give us like a, a time jump instance or something we've done it so many times so far 
like it's such a great vehicle for for giving a story or telling us what happened like think, even think even if it, too. Like, i think i'm agreeing with you but like think of it this way we we don't we don't know much about bolvar no we don't and ima- imagine if we actually got to see who bolvar was as a child yeah who oh, yeah was growing up i was just you gonna know, say that <laughs> we are on the same page because imagine going back and seeing that and seeing her raising him while dealing with everything else like that would just be completely it would be one of the more immersive more grounded stories i think we could possibly see but would do so much for these characters and why they are the way they are so um i know i i don't know if christy actually uh golden i don't know if she actually listens to lore watch or not um i believe that steve does though steve denuser um you guys know how uh, Christy wrote that Arthas book about the whole formation of the Lich King and all that, and it was really fascinating and everything. How about we get one of those for, like, the new Lich King? Because uh, that would be pretty cool. Oh, yeah. I'd, I'd settle for that, too. Yeah, that would be uh, nice. I would like to see I'd like to see what, what Christy would do with Bolvar's life, yeah. what, we, what we could learn about Mara. I mean, I'd love to learn more about Mara, because I love the idea that, sure, the Order of the Silver Hand started uh, and it was these five guys, but they were all kind of copying this woman. You know, that would be amazing mm-hmm. to have it be like, yeah, like you know, Atlantis Fell goes, and we're gonna we're gonna train. You know, each of you is either a priest or a warrior, and we're gonna train. And like you know, it's gonna be you know, and, and it's inspired by this woman who just picked up a sword and started whacking. Figured it out. She just it. figured it out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like that would be great. That would be really cool. It would be a nice. I, I touch. would, I would like to see. Yeah, just call it. I mean, the other one was Arthas. Call this one Bolvar. There you go. Yeah. There you go. And 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 you know, put in the origins of Talia in there. And it, see, that's the other reason why I'm kind of like, well, is that situation sort of intermingled, and we just don't know because we've got Calia Menethil, and then we've got Talia, and you have to admit the names kind of have their similarities which is different um it's almost like a mash of Terranus and Calia a little maybe am I reaching too far I'm probably reaching I'll, too far I'm gonna say that you're probably reaching on the name thing I, yeah. maybe but, maybe but I do just, think there is at least some possibility here for this idea yeah you, you could make it work and I'm not it would be I'm not as cool. adverse to the idea as I was when I initially heard it because when I initially heard it I was like well why would they why would they disapprove of somebody like Bolvar Four Dragon that doesn't make any sense he's got the lineage but I, you know the more I think about it the more I'm like it wouldn't be too far out of place um the other thing that i wanted to talk about here and i know we've got other emails to get to but the other thing that i wanted to talk about here is that obviously we've got this whole battle for azeroth storyline going on and everybody's focusing on sylvanas and azoth and ashara and everything that's going on with that but in the background since legion we've had this whole thing going on with bolvar aka the lich king up in northrend making moves and doing things that seem suspicious like deliberately suspicious particularly if you play through the death knight order hall in legion oh yeah which i did did. and and did all those missions then you understand if you have not i really recommend leveling a death knight like get a death knight and go do the order hall stuff because it's fascinating it's absolutely fascinating and there's way more going on with bolvar up in northern than you'd think um and don't skip the mount quest no the mount quest is probably one of the most important oh, yeah. pieces uh with talia being his daughter 
and very little being said about her at this point, one has to kind of wonder, is this something that's going to like come around and bite us in the butt next expansion? Is this, are we building, are we, are we focusing all of our attention on Sylvanas and what she's doing and ignoring something that has the potential to be a much greater threat? I guess. I I don't know if it's a greater threat, but I do think if you played through Legion by the, at the beginning of Legion, the, the scourge is basically just a pile of undead with no leadership and just the Lich King at the top. By the end of Legion, the Lich King has recruited an army mm-hmm. of Death Knights that were the ones that rebelled against Arthas all now serve him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the son of the Ashbringer himself is now what his lo- one of his loyal four horsemen. Hey, poor Darian. And that's a yeah, and that's Darian. a big thing to, to to keep in mind though too. After everything we did with them breaking free, they're back. They're Bolvar, back. Bolvar is in control of yeah. the of the order of you know the, the order of the Ebon Blade. If you are a Death Knight and you play through it, you made this happen. Mm-hmm. It is entirely on you that Bolvar has control of the order of the Ebon Blade, and the order of the Ebon Blade consists of the most powerful undead in the world, powerful enough to defy Sylvanas directly. Like you go into sure. Undercity and you take a death knight that she's been tormenting out. It, I think, I think you're underselling it. Powerful enough to tell, like, essentially gods to go away. Yeah. Powerful enough that, like, when we do the bomb, even if you're not a death knight, when you go and do the bomb Somdi stuff, uh, and you go and he, you go various places for the Vulgen quests, like Hordeside, he won't go there because he's afraid of the Lich King. He's afraid of what he is. And it's very apparent. It's not like, oh, he don't like me. It's, no, I would probably go there and I'd probably be snuffed out of existence. Like, that's massively powerful. Oh, yeah. he's He is not any weaker than Arthas was. If, if anything, if anything he's Arthas. stronger. If we beat, we beat Arthas because Arthas had obsessions. Yep. Bolvar has completely different obsessions, and we don't know what they are. We don't know anything about and, him, really, in his current mindset. At least with Arthas, we had some insight. Like, yeah. we had we had quests, we had eavesdropping, we had an entire expansion where we learned Arthas, the stuff behind Arthas him. Arthas flat out told you. Yeah, well. Arthas wasn't hiding anything. He wasn't trying to conceal I, himself. He wanted you to know. Yeah, he, he was a little to... he was a little comic book villain on that one. But... No, no, see, no, that's the thing. I don't think it was a comic book villain. Arthas, from beginning to end, was desperate, desperate to get somebody to agree with him. He wanted Bolvar, justification. He wanted validation. Bolvar yeah. doesn't care if you know why he's doing what he's doing. He doesn't want you to join him. He doesn't want you to accept him. He's going to accomplish his goals because I've said this before. Arthas was a prince. Yep. And princes and kings are politicians. They rule. Ultimately, ultimately, they rule through acclamation. They rule through their nobles going, yes. I I think you are right. I will support you. Generals don't rule by acclamation. Nope. Generals are flat out dictators. You know they give the orders and you follow them. Yeah. The, the, this is not a democracy. I was just playing Mass Effect three the other day. Shepard says it. This is not a democracy, and that's how a general runs their army, and that's how the scourge is being run right now. He doesn't want to, to convince people he's right. He's just going to do what he thinks is the best thing to do for him. And it's terrifying because I remember thinking as, as I converted Darian Mograine into the, the fourth horseman, I remember thinking to myself, this ain't good. Yep. 
I, I think then, we, I think I think you you said something on on Twitter, and I responded back with, "Yeah, no, this is bad." <laughs> <laughs> and then the when the Mount Quest comes out, because I remember I I think I even managed to get Anne to do it. Like didn't like I I kept saying, yeah. "Please do it, please do yeah. it." Yeah, yeah. And when you do the Mount Quest, you're you're like going to the dragon shrines, and you're like, you can do it in different ways. Like I didn't I didn't kill any of the dragons. I didn't have to. I got in, got what I wanted, and left. But you can wipe out the entire Ruby Dragon Shrine if you want to. Like you, you can, and just you can walk out and do that. And then you go and convert this ancient dragon that was like incredibly powerful to a to a to a mount for you. And now that serves the Lich King too. Effectively, you serve the Lich King now. You're and not, I mean, you know, there's a just yeesh, There's a lot going on here. And, and going back to like one thing that we talked about, I can't even remember how many episodes ago now. To, we started talking about uh, uh, retrieving the Proudmore body, uh, Derek Proudmore. Like, what's under there? What is in the water? It happens to be this wonderful undead dragon. This, 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 you know, frost worm. Well, That's who controls just hanging those? Out. That's who controls just hanging those? Out. How long has it been hanging out down there? Why is it down there? You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. That is and, the that, and that's the thing. Like, if it's been down there for all these years, okay, maybe. But like, if it wasn't, and that was recently created, why? Like that's that's important information that we don't know. Like again, like you said, there's so much we don't know that's going on that I love uh, that I would love to know more about. Think about this: if it's been down there all these years, it still had to be made. Frostworms don't just happen. Yeah, and it never do not happen. And it never it never freed itself, even in between deaths of. uh, And that's the thing that that always struck me as weird, right? Like we don't know what happened in the transition between Lich Kings or in that time that they broke free, right? There was this moment where a bunch of these creations of the lich king were sort of or at least from what we thought uh either acting under free will or breaking free of that control because it wasn't as oppressive as it was and here's it was, the thing. Not the it, case hasn't, anymore. it hasn't been down there forever because Derek proudmore died during the second war the lich sure. king didn't even show up on azeroth until the third war it wasn't even there until that point so why exactly was it sent after Derek Proudmore's body? Like, what was going on there? And that always had me kind of questioning. I'm like, is Bolvar actually working with Sylvanas? Is there something going on here? So I always found it really curious when you went to talk to the Lich King about this, and the Lich King said, no, I had nothing to do with that. I always wonder if he was trying to prevent the body from getting taken. Maybe. Because it fights you. It fights you when you try and take it. But I always wondered if, like, maybe not a sense of obligation, but if it was just a sense of, because, again, we don't know his motivation still. Does he still hate the Horde as much as he hates everything else? See, Bolvar never showed any particular hatred for the Horde. No, but he's in the situation he's in because of them. Yeah, but he didn't, like, I don't think there was any point where Bolvar had any kind of unreasoning hatred of the Horde. He fought them, but when, when Sorfang the Younger shows up, he's just as willing to work. Bolvar is in the situation that he's in because of the Forsaken and because of Sylvanas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. But I don't think it's specifically... Derek Proudmore didn't die because of the Forsaken or Sylvanas. He died because of the old Horde and Red Dragons. Yep. Do you think maybe it's a story of vengeance like the other way around? You know how Sylvanas, like, her main arc throughout Classic and everything was go get vengeance on the Lich King because he did this to us? Do you think Bolvar is kind of going the second way, the the other way around now? I think it's deeper than that. Yeah, I I do too, but I don't think that that hurts anything. Yeah, I'm Um, sure it's a factor. 
But there's it's it's really interesting that, that we're talking about this because we're talk, we we all, we know that the Proudmore family took in Bolvar's daughter, mm-hmm. yeah, and raised her, and we don't know who her mother is. And we, we just got done doing that whole Kalia thing, and it, I love it, and so I'm, I don't want to like take away from it. But if she was Colteran, who could she possibly be? She's not Jaina's. She's got to be somewhere up in the rank far enough for Lord Admiral Dalen Proudmore to go, yes, absolutely, I will take this child. I will find her the absolute best person to act as her surrogate parent and make sure she is well taken care of. We kind of know who all the royal families of the, like, not the royal families, the noble families of the various zones in Kul Like, we know the Storm Songs, and we know that they probably didn't have a daughter who could have Bolvar's child. We, we know the, the creepy ones in uh, Drostvar, whose names I'm escaping me at the moment, but the, they have the mansion. Uh, the Ember, the, uh, b- 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 no. We meet, the, we meet the child of that family. Yes, yes. Uh, and she's, she's like an important person. Uh, I can't remember the name of the, man, of the, the dungeon. I'm sorry, guys. I, I know I should, but I don't remember it. Uh, but, but that family, we meet them. We know that they don't, they, they don't, nobody in that family had Bolvar's kid. And we know none of the Proudmoors did. And we know that none of the Ashmanes did. Um, we meet Priscilla Ashmane. I mean, Ashmane is not, you know, she didn't have a kid, you know, and if she did, she probably would have raised it herself uh, and certainly doesn't show any sort of understanding or, or care about Talia. Uh, so there's like, there's no candidate in Cult Terrace for this. There's, there's nobody that could be the, the parent of that child. There's nobody who could be Talia's mother. So, it's House really Waycrest, by the way. It's Waycrest, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, so if she's none of those families, and she's not Kul'tiran, then is it simply that Bolvar and, and, and Admiral Proudmore were friends? Like, and, and if so, how were they friends? Bo- Admiral Proudmore was, was very close friends with Terraness, however. Close enough that mm-hmm. when Terraness's family went missing, he went looking for them. Like, you know, he, he, you know, he tried to find out not just he, they were close enough friends that when the son of, of, of the, of the, uh, Menethil line wanted to marry his daughter, they considered it, you they know, thought even it though was fine. Yeah, that's a great match and it would, it would unite our kingdoms and that's great. It was, you know what I mean? There's, there's something here with the, with the Kalia idea. And if Terranus's granddaughter I needed a place to hide. I could see him hiding her. Oh yeah. So that that's something to also consider. But that would also mean that that Bolvar owes the Proudmores, and he might be willing to you know reanimate a dragon that's around that well, corpse. To- I was just going to say that accomplishes two goals for him, right? If he blames the red dragons for what happened to him, in in part, that's a red dragon mo- most likely under there. Because, Almost certainly, yes. Yeah, it would have been what what died in the battle. Yeah, because for those that those that aren't are unfamiliar with it, that's how Derek Proudmore when he died, it was his fleet was destroyed by the fire of red dragons under the horde's control. Uh, so like it accomplishes they kidnapped two goals. kidnapped Alex Straza. All of this is in the novel Day of the Dragon, yes. by the way, which is a good one. So you know, you should read just it. Saying. Uh, but I mean, it, it it accomplishes two two very good goals for him, or three. It perverts a red dragon, which he's probably still angry with. Uh, and we've seen that, like you said, mentioned with the Mount Quest and everything else. Like that's that's not like just go find any dragon. It's go find a red dragon specifically because, well, there's reasons I'm sure. Uh, it protects Proudmore, who he he probably still owes a debt to. 
and thwarts the Horde, who also had a hand in his creation of this undead nightmare. Like, all three of those things are accomplished by him doing that simple act. Uh, well, simple for the Lich King. So it would make perfect sense to me. Yeah. I think for me, what kind of unnerves me the most about all of this is that way back during Wrath of the Lich King, when they were like, oh, there must always be a Lich King, da 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 and then Bolvar took the helm, I was like, yeah, no, that's absolutely the most logical choice, because he wouldn't bend under Arthas like like the Lich King couldn't corrupt him. So, of course, you know, you want somebody that's powerful enough to hold back the scourge, to hold the scourge at bay, it would be this guy, right? Well, now I'm thinking of it in terms of we put the one person who was more powerful than the Lich King in the Lich King's, on the Lich King's throne. Well, was that the stupidest mistake we've ever made? Probably, especially when you consider that the Lich King was created by what? Kil'jaeden, right? Yeah. Who, who's Kil'jaeden? Burning Legion. The Great Deceiver? Yes. What, what, is, his, what is his specialty? Convincing <laughs> people that they're doing something of their own free will, but it ultimately serves his goals. We don't know what the base power of the Lich King entity is based on, but we know that it came from Kil'jaeden. It's entirely it was logical to assume. doing something and mushing up Ner'zhul's spirit with something else but that I, we still yeah, don't really understand the origins of. That's the part. Yeah. The something else. Uh, but I'm also curious if maybe Bolvar, it's not a matter of him being stronger, it's a matter of what the helm is showing him, because we know that the helm shows you things. That's established in the Arthas book. You see different scenes play out and different things. If it's showing him that this is the logical choice for him to take because it fits his personality, like Rossi said, as a general, as a commander of an army, an army of undead, ridiculously powerful beings that are stupidly, stupidly resilient uh, that he can always make more of, which we've seen he's been able to do, bringing a very powerful militant wing back under his control. Like it may not be that he's gone crazy. It may be that this is just a perfect logical assumption of where his natural inclinations would take him, but just done to a, a greater degree because of whatever enchantment is inside of that helm because of kill Jade. Also another thing to keep in mind when mm-hmm. Bolvar became entangled in this whole thing, when he ended up in ice crown citadel, when he ended up being tormented in the Saranite building, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who was spying on this? Who was watching it all happen? Who showed us it happening? Yogg Saron. And and where where did we end up going and spending a lot of time while Bolvar's body hung from chains at the top of the gigantic Saranite building? I'm going to point that out again. Yeah. It's an entire building made out of Saranite, which we were putting on too. So that's just great. At one point we tried to fix a sword with Saranite. I love that when when Uther comes out, he's like, what are you crazy? Did you use Saranite for this? Why would you use Saranite? It's made from Yogg-Saron's blood. That's Now we're going to have to purify it. Oh God, us 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 players and doing dumb things. It's just never gonna go away. Nope. Part no. of me kinda wonders part of me kinda wonders, uh the helm of domination, it was it, the Lich King's helm, it was something that Kill Jaden had. He put Nerzel's spirit into it. I'm kinda wondering what were the origins of that thing to begin with and was it created from Serenite? Because that would certainly explain visions. What if it was even not Serenite? We we still don't know the ties between like 
how, how do I phrase this? The Nathrazim, right? Who did they report to? The old gods. But who did they wor- report to in the uh, Burning Legion? Oh, in the Burning Legion, yeah. So if they're really schooled in void magic and they really love that void, what if this is something they brought to kill Jaden? I know, right? And that's that's why I'm kind of like wondering about it because, you know, we're talking about the Lich King Helm, how it, you know, they could see visions and things like that. And then I go back to, you know, the void. It shows you all possibilities and everything. And I'm like, well, what if these two things are absolutely related? We just well, didn't know. And maybe even Kill Jaden didn't know when he made this thing, sure. whatever this thing is, you know? When you're a Death Knight, uh, one of the three uh, legend, the art three artifact weapons is an axe called the Hungry Maw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in, as part of the story of it, you find out how the how the legion makes all these hideous magical artifacts. The legion knows a way to basically imprison souls in items. They 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 do so multiple times. There's a warlock scythe um, that is basically a demon soul trapped in the in the scythe. Uh, it's the I think it's called the harvester. Ufalak the harvester. I can't remember because I didn't play a warlock. Yeah. No, but um, the Deadwind Harvester because it actually eats the souls of everybody in Deadwind Pass uh, using that magic. The the axe, the hungering the hungering maw, also eats souls, and that's a magic that the Legion has had for a very long time. Uh, and the the hungering maw is interesting because it's the maker of the axe that actually gets trapped in it. Uh, but what the interesting thing about all this is, the Legion's had this magic for a long time, but we don't know where they got it. And the other thing is, is that the very source of Fell itself, Fell is when light and shadow annihilate each other. It's when souls are destroyed. It's when existence is ended. That's where Fell comes from. Because light and shadow, light and the void, are both components of existence in the Warcraft cosmos. And I mean, look at what Frostmourne does. Yeah, exactly. And Frostmourne's also similarly crafted by this process. But think, think about for a minute, like the light and the void both exist as parts of existence light made void because when the light when the light comes into existence when the light shines Cast in the cosmos it creates these eddies and whirlpools of darkness that these places where there's less light and that's the void came to be and they both exist as components of existence so the fell is the destruction of all existence it's the power you get from utter annihilation and all of that it makes you wonder like the void would have a vested interest in creating something that could endure. But at the same time, the, the, the void reacts very negatively to an undead. It reacted extremely negatively to Sylvanas. And that's, that's fascinating to me. What does that mean? Was it the fact that she's undead that it re- really rejected or the fact that she's not under their control? I don't know, because I always, you know, I've always been kind of that proponent of the reason they find Sylvanas so abhorrent is because the void and the light are naturally, they are part of a cycle. One can't exist without the other, you know? It goes back and forth and back and forth. Yeah. So I always thought that the void looked at her as a thing that should not be because she exists outside of that cycle. Think about what the the light just did. Yeah. I know. Light just made someone outside the cycle. So maybe it's not that they're outside. Maybe each of them is in an arms race to create things that are outside the cycle. They're both trying to come. They have an eternal conflict going on here. Essentially. They have a war that can't be won. Because they're all, they're all locked into that same cycle. So the only way to win that cycle is to find a way to break it. So on the one hand you have Kalia, on the other hand you have Bolvar. And on a third hand that doesn't really exist anywhere, 
you have Sylvanas. Because she's not, you know, Bolvar is knowingly or unknowingly, he serves the helmet. He serves them if they made it. Uh, Kalia serves the, the Naru or the light. What and was the thing Sylvanas that distracted the Lich King? What was the thing that distracted the Lich King initially that allowed Sylvanas and the rest of the Forsaken to regain their free will? What was it? Sword got shoved outside of the uh, the prison and that broke the prison was then broken and his essence was leaking out. What did that? He did it. Illidan He's did it. To... No, no, before that. It's it started when he shoved the sword out. His it began leaking. Illidan made it that worse moment... by attacking the eye of Sargeras. The eye of Sargeras. He used a super powerful fell artifact mm-hmm. to strike a blow, and it broke Nerzul's concentration enough that Sylvanas and the others were freed. And I'm wondering if that's the moment when she became a problem, when they all became a problem. Maybe. Because up until that... that point, they were still under the Lich King's control. Yeah, I mean, some of them didn't even have minds. They were under and... the Lich King's control because they were under the Void's control. Maybe. And you think about it this way, if if that's what makes her a problem, it's not that she's outside the cycle, it's that she's outside of their control. And that's why you the light created Kalia, because they wanted their own. They saw what the, the Void had done and they wanted they their own. They needed their servants. own champion. Yeah. They needed a champion working on their side. This is all weird to think about. It's all really weird to think about. But when I I keep going back to the whole Helm of Domination thing and wondering, did Kill Jaden know exactly what he was doing? when, Or was he just playing around with energies did, that he didn't quite understand? And if he didn't understand what he was doing, where did he get the idea to do it? Like, where did it come from? Anyway, we have one more email here, and I want to just, like, um, address this one real quick because it kind of ties into everything that we've been talking about as far as, like, the Scourge, the Undead... The everything that happened to Arthas that um, this one is from Underbash and it says hey lore watchers I noticed something the other day when I was finishing up one of the faction assaults in Dressfar as Horde when I struck down one of the Lightforge defenders with my awesome Tiki Mask squad they said I see only darkness putting aside that it seems like an odd thing for a sworn champion of the light to say in their dying moments it's also almost verbatim what Arthas's last words were Sylvanas is too after Godfrey shot her considering that Dressfar is so connected to death stuff and with all the other death related developments of the expansion do you think that something or someone might be interfering with the spirits of these Draenei after they fall thanks Underbash I don't I don't necessarily know about that last part there but I do find it very interesting that they're saying that. We know that at least from what I can gather and again you guys can keep me honest the Drustfar stuff is all about at least from what I read throwing souls into things that shouldn't be there, right? Like the constructs binding things to this like almost unlife but not in the same way that undead are like those wicker There's constructs and of- things like that. It's the realm of Thros, which seems almost perfectly to be yeah. a Shadowland. And I was um, going to say... So there is that. I was going to say, and we also had the previous things where you pointed out specifically, Rossi, that there's a lot of linkage between Trustfire and Shadowlands. Um, and we've talked about this before with Helia and, and some of the other things. There's this weird creature that lives in the Shadowlands that we still have no idea what the heck he's doing, but would be a perfect candidate for this. Like, oh, I've been promised I'm going to go to the light. The light touched me. Well, nope, sorry. I'm really strong here, so your soul's mine now. Could totally be a thing that happens. I don't. I mean, I don't have an idea for this yet. I'm just thinking about it. I don't think we really have time for me to like spend an hour musing about it. But I definitely think there's an interesting. I, 
I'm going to come back to this. Both Arthas and Volvar were paladins. Being a paladin does not make you immune to the void or to, you know, necromancy and no, and not death. at all. Um, the fact that the light forged, the light forged have existed for thousands of years. Like they're, they're effectively immortal until killed. If you kill a light forged defender, it's quite possible that the, the connection to the light is what sustained their life. Might very well be that without the light, they just die. They end. That might be the, you know, the difference between them and, you know, your average Draenei or your average person. And it's interesting to see when you strike down Zira, not you, Illidan, when Illidan strikes down Zira, the light vanishes from Turalyon's eyes. Yeah. And that's interesting because, I mean, we've heard nothing about it since. Is Turalyon still effectively a light-forged human? The other light-forged don't seem to have changed. You can still make light-forged. They've been doing it without Zira. Mm-hmm. So why did Turalyon change? And what does it signify? What is what is actually happening? If you've done the light if you did the, the quest to tell to unlock Lightforged, you go on a spirit journey inside this weird magical crucible alongside a really cool monk named Tapartos. Tapartos you see you see his life. Like he, you see his life and you, you're in him. You see his thoughts and and they tie it to the light but what what does that mean like what's going on there we this is not something we really understand like we've seen it but we don't know what it means and that's really fascinating to me and the idea of the, the life word saying we see only i see only darkness there's multiple reasons he could mean he could literally just mean this is the extinguishing of me this is the end of my existence this is me dying my light has um, just died out yeah it could be that the horde serve an unholy monster that is eating their souls. And I'm just going to put that out there because Joe is here and I felt like I had to. <laughs> uh, but, but seriously, I don't think that that's the case. I mean, it, it, I think even Sylvanas isn't, doesn't really care about that kind of thing. It, it's not really her style. Um, but I do think it's, it's interesting that Thros is the way it, Thros is right there. When you, when you're in Drusvar, Thros is right there and it's very close to the surface. There's that tree and again, I'm having a hard time remembering names today, but there's that tree in, in, in Drosvar that directly links to Thros that you go to when you go to get Jaina out. Um, and when you're there with to getting Jaina out of, of Thros, you see her whole life. And it's, it is very similar to what Tepartos goes through when he becomes Lightforged. By the way, that tree is called Golanoth, but yes. Thank you, Golanoth. And, and it's also, the other thing about that tree is it is extremely similar to the one that the worgen go under to balance themselves out. Oh yeah. And the 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 Drusfar natives, the Drust are a druidic people. Mhm. And we we know this because their their Kaltiran heirs, that's the kind of druidism that they practice. <laughs> Did Fandral plant this one too? <laughs> maybe but there's a think about like what that says about the terms of like druidic magic and nature and balance yeah versus the light and the void it's like it almost makes you feel that like fell and and druid magic are the exact opposites of each other like one is the destruction of both the other is the balancing of both druidic magic is like you take the light you take the shadow and you balance them you make them, and then you have the facts thing. of life. No, I'm yeah. sorry, I just but, uh, stuck you my head. It. But yeah, you no, it. no, no, I'm not in a headspace. Literally, 
to to do any singing. Sorry, sinuses. Anyway, but no, it, it the only thing that I have to add to this and and this is just something that I'm kind of taking into consideration myself and I haven't come to any conclusions yet, but that particular phrase, I see only darkness. We've only seen it a few times and it's I feel like it can't be coincidental. I feel like whoever's writing stuff like this and, you know, writing, they they wouldn't throw that in there. And I don't think that people would let that fly with that just being thrown in there without it meaning something. Yeah. It, and that's I, I don't why I, think, I don't think they'd say, oh yeah, sure. Use Arthas's final words as like an NPC throwaway line. I don't, I don't think they do that. I think that's one of the reasons why I kind of like the idea that there's potentially a disruption and that breaking the cycle is such a big thing. Cause that's what it feels like to me. And, and maybe again, it's one of those things where I just sort of like the idea that there's something powerful enough or a place so removed from the natural ebb and flow of things that the natural cycle can be disrupted. And what does that mean for everything else that's going on? Does that mean that whatever lives in the shadow is seeping in closer doesn't mean that there's this in-between uh faction that's happening uh, faction might be the wrong word but something that isn't the light isn't the dark and we just talked about like the light and, and the void wanting to break cycles in their own way but what if this is something that's breaking the cycle that that just has nothing to do with either of them and i sort of like that idea that there might be something bigger something more involved than we know of sort of with these these creatures dying and what they're saying and why they're not seeing the light. And we know that the light does raise dead to the light. We've seen it happen. There's an entire quest line in, in Northrend about it. Um, so we know it's possible. So the question is why, why is this the choice that they, they made for these dying words? I think for me, I still like the idea that Sylvanas was under control and then she wasn't. And that's why, the voice terrified mm-hmm. of her because she was their instrument and now she's not and they literally have no idea what to do with her because it's something that's grown entirely out of their control and it's not in the light's control it's not in the void's control so whose control is it and that's the scary part because we don't know anyway um we're kind of over time a little bit not that it really matters but we are over time a little bit so we should probably just go ahead and wrap up the show here blizzard watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzard watch and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow blizzard watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue and an ads free site experience and like i said before we will be moving to a weekly lore watch so, uh, patrons, you're going to be listening to this today. That's the 15th. Um, people on the website, you're going to be listening to this on September 23rd. Um, for patrons, the next episode that you guys are going to get is going to be on the 29th of September. And then it's just going to go weekly following there. Um, for people that are listening on the 23rd, the next episode that you guys are going to get is going to be Wednesday, October 2nd. And then it's going to continue being weekly from then on out. And again, thank you guys so much for your support. And I'm really happy that everybody's cool with the idea of us babbling at each other like this on a weekly basis. Because uh, goodness knows I enjoy it. I know you guys too do too. Um and again, we could always use your questions, so send those to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Be sure to put lore watch in the subject line so we know it's for the show. Or you can drop in on Patreon and leave us questions there. We like that too. 
Um, also, for you guys, listeners of Blizzard Watch, Audible's offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. We've mentioned several different books. I don't think Day of the Dragon is available in audiobook format, which is kind of a pity because it's a really good book, but I know we mentioned Arthas. Arthas is available, and I believe it's also available on Audible. You can get that as your free audiobook download if you want to sign up for that 30-day trial. If you're not so interested in Blizzard books, and believe me, there are a ton on Audible, there are also thousands of other books that you can choose from, everything from fiction to nonfiction, fantasy to real-life stuff, whatever the heck happens to tickle your fancy. You can download any of those titles by signing up at blizzardwatch.com slash audible, and every sign-up helps support the show and everything that we do. Um, Final thoughts, you guys. I feel like this whole Lich King thing it's building to something and I don't know if it's something that we're going to see immediately or if it's something we're going to see in like a few expansions down the road what do you guys think do you think this this is just like the first playing pieces to something we're going to see in like three or four years or do you think this is something that's actually going to rise up next expansion and become a substantial threat that suddenly we're going to have to deal with Joe so again, I have this theory that that's working around in my head that we're going to wind up leaving planet again sometime soon. I think we're going to wind up going to fight the void at some point. And I think that's when this particular stuff with the Lich King is going to come to a head because that's what generally happens is we, as, as players in this world, our characters tend to forget about everything else and deal with the immediate threat, no matter what happens with it. And we leave and we go and deal with it. And then we come back and things just happen to be on fire. And I think that's going to kind of be the setup for this as well. I think okay. we'll go deal with the Void and Old Gods, and then we'll come back and Lich Kings and be like, hi, by the way, I'm here. Okay, and uh, Rossi, same question. What do you think? Since we don't, we know that they're going to end the war campaign in 8.2.5, and we don't know what that means. Uh, that means we don't know what 8.3 is going to be. And since we don't know what 8.3 is going to be, we have no idea what the next expansion is going to be at this point. So this is just me pulling this. It's kind of a fun space of- to be in, really, because we haven't been yeah. here before. But anyway, go ahead, Rossi. Sorry. I, I'm, th- I'm going to stake myself here. And if it turns out to be wrong, I'll just have been wrong. And that's fine. I think 8.3 is going to be the actual end of this whole faction conflict storyline. Uh, I think we're going to see something. I don't think Sylvanas is going to die at the end of it. But I think that we're, whatever it is, it's going to be resolved one way or the other. The next expansion, I think will be old god oriented but there's going to be a b plot and the b plot's going to be the scourge and the undead and what are they doing um and i think the next expansion after that is going to be where the b plot becomes the a plot mm-hmm. uh, so wrath I think of the t- wrath of the lich king part two electric boogaloo Here's the thing is I don't think Bolvar's it's Bolvar's revenge. I'm not I'm still not on the I'm still not sold on the idea that Bolvar is going to be the out and out villain of it. Because there's so much death stuff happening. There's the Drust and Thros. There's Bon Samdi. There's all these powerful figures like that are connected to and dealing with death, making their move. And hell that's yeah. what I think Yeah, hell yeah. That's what I think we're gonna see in the next expansion is like powers of death making their move. Something, something, Shadowlands, something. They've been pretty heavy-handed in that, yeah, I think. I don't, I mean, a lot of people, we we know that people are, like, making up expansion leagues, talking about the Shadowlands and so forth. They do that because it's plausible. And it's plausible because Blizzard has put a ton of it out there. And I think... There's all these little story blocks, and you could build them in many different ways. The reason that I think it's going to be a B-plot in the next expansion is, of all things, there's a very short Death Knight quest in in uh 
in Drusvar. Oh yeah. And you, you, it's it's still there if you're not a Death Knight, but if you are a Death Knight, it's really interesting because there's a there's a red dragon that's out there trying to like protect the bones of its ancestors. It's like there's a sacred dragon burial site over here, and I need to go protect it. And if you're any other class. You just go up and you help protect it. And a death knight shows up and he's like, the death Lord made himself, made him or herself this great mount and I'm going to do it too. And you kill him and it's fine. But if you're the death knight, you're, you're there as the death Lord and the dragon's like, what do you want? I know what you did. And you can be like, I did that under, I did that under duress. I understand that you're offended, but I will help you. I will protect the site with you. And they'll, they'll let you and they'll be like, all right, I don't, I don't believe you, but let's, you can prove yourself. And when the other death knight shows up, he's like, I'm going to do what you did. And you're like, no, you're not making me less special by stealing my thunder. Nope. Get out. And he fights you and you kill him. Um, but that quest to me is like, this stuff is lingering. This stuff is having after effects. There's Legion wasn't its own little bubble. Yeah. It's, it carries on. The things you did matter. They remember what you did. The red dragons remember what you did. And that to me says, yeah, we're going to see more with Bolvar. We're going to see more with all this stuff. We're seeing this expansion. We're going to see more of the Drust. We're going to see more of, of, of Thros and, and that whole thing. It's all going to come back. All these powers of death, all this stuff with Juan Sambi, all this stuff with Vol'jin that we still don't know. Yeah, it's going to come back there's definitely going to be something involving this. I don't think it's going to be the next expansion because I do think either we're going to have the old gods to deal with in 8.3 and then the next expansion is going to have to deal with Sylvanas or we're going to deal with Sylvanas in 8.3 and she's not going to die and that means she's going to be doing something in the next expansion. So either way, I definitely think we're going to see this at some point. Okay. As for me, um, I'm banking on 8.3. We're going to journey to Nihilatha, the sleeping city, but that's just me kind of hoping because I've always wanted to go there. Sounds like a really good time. Let's go hang out, see what's there to see. I'm sure it's just Sanity meters for everyone. Going to be delightful, full of margaritas, good times, all kinds of tentacles and despair. Um, anyway. Thanks, as always, you guys, for listening. And we will see you again, um, well, in two weeks, but soon to be weekly. Thanks again for your support. 